Hey, have you ever read the book of Ephesians? Well, you're in luck. We're in day four of our Ephesians study, reading through the entire book of Ephesians, right here on the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about what it means to be a child of God and being one in unity as a body of Christ. Let's read it. Let's talk about it. Let's go. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are halfway through our Ephesians study. We're in Ephesians 4 today. So if you've missed the first three episodes of the Bible Reading Coffee Drinking podcast, YouTube, Instagram, live stuff uh, on Ephesians, go back and watch it or listen to it on the podcast. Just check out livingchristian.org, which is my website. And there there's a podcast uh, tab up top. And then you can see all the episodes. You can watch them right there. You can listen to them right there. You can thumb through all the other 63, I think, episodes that we have. 63 episodes, I think. I don't know. The whole bunch. whole bunch. Uh, but uh, right now, most importantly, we're diving through Ephesians. So we're in the halfway mark of Ephesians, moving in to Ephesians 4. So Ephesians, as a just kind of a recap, is written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, for those who don't know, so Paul's ministry, he's in prison at this point. Uh, he has been in prison. He's writing these letters to the different churches, excuse me, different churches that he and others have helped establish across the area. So this one goes to the Church of Ephesus. So this is an Ephesians letter, so to speak. So we're halfway through this long letter that he wrote to this church, to this body of believers there, uh, to kind of guide them uh, in the right direction and make sure they're following the directions and following. The, what they need to do in order to teach and learn about Jesus. All right, so this is, um, we're in Ephesians 4, and let's have a sip of coffee and we'll get going. All right, uh, unity in the body. Therefore, I, Paul, uh, prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults, because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. So a couple of pretty impactful things there right there at the beginning. First and foremost, he is calling us as believers and them as believers, but we can relate to this for sure, to be humble and gentle and patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults because of our love. I think, unfortunately, I'm not trying to judge anybody or even myself for that matter, but us as Christians at times, <clears throat> sometimes we aren't the most humble. Sometimes we aren't the most gentle. Sometimes we aren't the most patient with each other, especially with non-believers. Let's take that as, as kind of a, a, a charge or a challenge today <clears throat> that Paul is giving us to make sure that when we go about our day, go about our lives, that we do so with humbleness, with gentleness, and with patience, okay? The last part's pretty good. For uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Now, you got to understand who he's talking to here. You know, for all, all the history, all these people knew— was that the Jewish way was the way to the Lord, that they were God's chosen people. And the Gentiles, or the non-Jewish people, were 
kind of enemies, so to speak, certainly unclean and unworthy. And there was a pretty big divide. And they and those two kind of sectors of people really treated each other really poorly, right? They treated each other really poorly. And 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 for, for Paul to come out to tell the Gentiles and the Jewish people as well that we are one body, that no longer is there Jew and Gentile, but just one body of Christ— that's a bold move and a bold statement of that time that a lot of people, you know, took issues with. All right, let's keep reading in uh, version 5, or version 5, verse 5. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through, his, through the generosity of Christ, this is why the scriptures say, this is him quoting the Old Testament, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. At the same, at the same and, excuse me, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe for him. So he is also trying to establish and making sure that they're clear that the Messiah of the Old Testament that was coming was Christ. That he's quoting the Old Testament scriptures and talking about the fact that Jesus was the one that descended and then ascended. Verse 11. Now these are gifts, talking about the gifts that 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 the Holy Spirit provides us. Now that these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to see to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, so there's a lot to dissect in here, and I, I could argue explain, discuss, that we have failed in this part of the passage. I'll explain why. Give me a sip of coffee. So, he's talking specifically to, uh, talking about the spiritual gifts that the pastors and the church leaders, the people that are putting together these churches, these these uh, Assembly of Christ followers into gatherings. Okay? And he says that their responsibility is to equip God to do his work and to build the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We have failed in the sense of we as a church body, as a, as a, as a body of Christ, as believers of Jesus, we have failed in having unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. Think about all the denominations in the church. <clears throat> the Catholics don't agree with the Methodists. The Methodists don't agree with the Baptists. The Baptists don't agree with this. And it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a mess. And it's, part, and it's certainly working against us in the sense of non-believers look at our kind of uh, separation of our denominations, our, our non-unity, as Paul talks about, and, and it emboldens their fact that there's different translations and nobody knows what's right, what's wrong, and everybody has a different version. If we would come together and just be unified in loving Jesus and listening to Jesus' teachings, 
and teaching the good news across the world. It wouldn't matter what the denominations were. We would all be one body of Christ. And unfortunately, I think that we've, throughout the years, the church, the church organization, has only kind of shot ourselves in the foot with those things. We don't, we argue on who's right or who's wrong, what rules we have to follow, and we've lost kind of focus of the most important thing, which is following Christ and living for Jesus. So I challenge, if you're a churchgoer, I challenge you as a pastor or a leader or a, anything, an elder at a church, whatever that may be, try to make sure that your church is focused solely on Christ and the good news. Verse 14, then you will no longer be mature, immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Hmm. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Boy, that happens every day, doesn't it? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every more, every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the others grow, parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's let's pivot from the church organization to the body of Christ, which is us. The the group, the people that follow Jesus. Okay. We are the body. Christ is the head of the body, as it talks about. Just forget the church building for a second. Let's forget the organizations for a second. Let's talk about the body of Christ. Now, do we get confused? Do we have people inside of our body of Christ that are tricking us with lies that sound like the truth? Absolutely. Are we growing every day? Are we speaking the truth in love? Sometimes. I think a lot of times we speak the truth, but it doesn't always come out loving. It's just the truth. Us as the body of Christ sometimes comes across a little judgmental, a little uh, holier than thou. We try not to be that way, but I'm, I think we're all guilty. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying at some point uh, we're uh, collectively uh, can be guilty of that. So let's work to uh, you know, hold ourselves accountable, but also go about full of love, as it says in Ephesians 4. All right, let's keep going. Living as children of light, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live in lustful pleasure and eagerly, eager, eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So once you've accepted Christ and you're born again, you're now a, no longer a Gentile, you're a born-again Christian, let's not live like the people who have not accepted Christ. Verse 20, But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, true, righteous, and holy. All right, so that's he's talking about now that you're being born again, now that you're a new creation in Christ, 
Don't act as the Gentiles do. Don't act as the non-believers do. Throw off your sinful nature. Okay, this is one of the issues that we have right now in our society is that in many ways we glorify sin. And I'm not talking about just the month that we're in. I'm talking about all sin. It's become kind of fashionable, uh, and it's okay. Uh, we make excuses for sin. When we're, when we're true, truly born-again Christians, we are to throw off our sinful nature and our former way of life. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever you have struggled with in the past, whatever, we all have a, at least one, probably more, these sins that we just can't quite shake. We go to church, we read our Bible, but there's something that we fall back into. I'm guilty of it, we're all guilty of it. But we need to try really hard to throw off that sinful nature in nature and that former way of life, okay? Now, he's going to give us some instructions on what to do now that we have accepted Christ, and we're living for Jesus. All right, we're getting close to the end here. Verse 25, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold of the devil. Okay, so this is kind of what I was referencing earlier about going out and preaching the good news and and sometimes we don't always do it full of love. Sometimes we do it with some anger. And that's not what Paul is instructing us to do. So now that you've accepted Christ, stop telling lies. Stop being angry. Even And I love the um, verse 26 here. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. We try to do that in our marriage. If we have a little disagreement, it happens sometimes. Uh, we make sure that we don't go to bed angry. Right. Make sure you go to sleep every night with prayer and cleansing your body and your mind of the garbage that happened that day. All right, verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everyone you say, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. Okay, so stuff that we all we struggle with here, not, maybe not the first part, we're talking about being a thief and quit stealing. So whatever it is your vice is, turn it around and stop doing those things and, and do something for good. But here's the part that I think we all struggle with. Don't use foul or abusive language. Does that mean cussing? Yes, it means cussing. Does that mean angry, judgmental language? Yes, it means that as well. It's not just what we deem as, as cursing in our language. That's certainly part of it. But what he doesn't want us to do is use foul or abusive language. Once again, leading in love, uh, leading and growing and full of love, as uh, Paul's talking about. Verse 30, and don't bring, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guarantee that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. Oh, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Have you ever been afraid that the choices that you make make God sad? Upset? He's talking about bringing sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. That hits me right here. The decisions that I make can bring sorrow to God. 
Whew, that's, I mean, that's a, a, a bar that we have to try to work on. That's, 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 it's, it's so upsetting that, because you don't think about that, right? Sometimes we, 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 we view God in a way of, yes, he's our savior, he's our creator, he's God, he's almighty, he knows everything. Okay, it's beyond our comprehension at times. But it's tough whenever you're trying to really reconcile what that relationship with God is that you should have. And, and God, our Father, loves us so much. Of course we're going to make decisions that bring him sorrow. I have two kids. They bring me sorrow at times. They're good kids. I love them dearly. But yes, of course, they're going to go through and make decisions and, and, and do things that upset me, that bring me sadness. Okay? So think about that today. I know it's tough, and I'm not trying to lay this burden on you. What I'm trying to lay on you is some clarity that God loves us so much that he does get sad when we are led astray in the way we live. All right, last uh, couple of verses here, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. What? So he ends here with a little bit more of an uplifting tone. <laughs> Instead of calling us out for using abusive language and and uh, you know and bringing sorrow to God, he kind of builds us up to say, "Hey, you know, you, you, there are real repercussions to your actions here." Now, saying all that, let's sum up the entire Ephesians four in two verses. When you're born again and you've accepted Christ, get rid of the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the harsh words, and slander. Get rid of all that negative stuff that's in your life, all that negative stuff that's in your heart, all that negative stuff that's in your head, and replace it with kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness for one another. Why? Because God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So because God has treated us in the way he has, with forgiveness, with love, with kindness, we should treat each other that way as well. It's tough to do sometimes, isn't it? But that's the command. That's the commandment that we need to follow. Treat others the way God treats us. It's so hard. It's so hard at times. Um, you got to work on yourself first. Before you can work on others, for sure. So what Paul is telling us here is how we should go about our lives, how we need to be changed from within when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Okay? It's tough. It's tough. But that is what we need to do. Because I think if we follow those words in Ephesians 4 and, and, and move forward with tenderness and kindness and love and forgiveness, your world will change. For sure. And you'll, you'll change. You'll change the way you act. All right. Ephesians 4. Good word. Let's have a sip of coffee and we'll answer a couple of questions. So if you're live here on Instagram, make sure you put your questions down at the bottom. Uh, somewhere along the bottom, it's a question mark. And I'll answer a couple of questions and uh, we'll go about our Monday and get our week going here. All right. Uh, we got a bunch of them come in. Good. Um, all right. Um. This comes from Ashley. Uh, when you sin over and over again with the same thing you struggle with, 
but you've brought this to God many times. How do you deal with it? Okay, great question. I kind of mentioned as we were reading uh, Ephesians 4 that we all have you know, something that we probably struggle with. Yes, we're supposed to get rid of all that sin. We're supposed to be cleansed and uh, be born again and get rid of that old life. Absolutely, 100%. He's, what, he's, what Paul's not saying in Ephesians 4 is that it's a magic, magical thing that happens the second you accept Christ. What he's not saying is, hey, the minute you accept Christ, all is great. You're washed clean, and you never have sin again, and you don't want to sin, and everything's great. Uh, that's not what he's saying. We all struggle with it. We struggle with some version of it. There are people, and we all have our things, I think. So, what I have found... Uh, that helps, uh, and it doesn't um, it doesn't eliminate those desires or those temptations or that sinful nature that we have because we all have it. But it does help mitigate it a little bit. I do find that that I'm when I'm closer to Christ, <clears throat> the less I fall into those traps. With a caveat, okay. If I'm reading my Bible consistently, I'm listening to good music, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm really diving into my Christian life, there are times where I feel like I have more armor on me, if that makes sense. It doesn't stop those temptations from coming. And actually, I think the devil works harder because he feels like he's losing you. So you may embattle more struggles the closer you get to your Christian life. But you have the armor of God that you can have with you and protect you. That makes sense. So if you've been going to God over and over again with these things that you struggle with, maybe he's not eliminating those struggles or eliminating those sin. What he's doing is preparing you and, and, and protecting you from those things and finding and giving you a path to go through them, if that makes sense. So instead of eliminating that sin out of your life, he's given you the, the necessary tools to deal with them. That's how I view it a little bit. The answers are in the Bible. There are ways you can do it. But if you're not reading consistently, then maybe God's not speaking to you and, and telling you how to deal with the stuff being thrown at you. So imagine it this way. You're in a war. We are in a spiritual war. And you're being, you know, you got arrows and bullets flying at you all the time, all over the place. What God does is provide you with the tools necessary to combat those things. He doesn't necessarily eliminate them. That makes sense. So, have patience with God. His timing is better than ours. We don't even understand it half the time, but I promise he'll give you the tools to get through and to deal with those sin. All right, uh, let's see what else we got. Do you love God? Yes, that's an easy one. Um all right, so my daughter said she dreamed of an angel in the corner of our room. That have really could that really been an angel or just a dream? You know what, uh, Chelsea, I believe your name is. Um, I don't know. I'll say this: sometimes dreams are real. Sometimes dreams are visions that God gives us. Sometimes they're just our head messing with us for sure. But I do firmly believe that God can and will talk to people through dreams. So, my answer to that is maybe. I mean, I'm not the I'm not the authority on that. So my uh, my advice to you would be to pray about it, pray with your daughter about it, uh, 
right? That's one thing that I think families don't do enough of is pray together. So pray to or for your daughter and pray with your daughter to have some clarity on that. God will provide the right answer. Okay, one more question. We'll uh, get on out of here. Um, I have religious OCD and struggle with bad thoughts about religion. Does God forgive me for this? Harley, uh, I have religious OCD, which is an interesting term. I don't think I've heard that before. Now, you have bad thoughts about religion. Does God forgive you for this? Depends on, yes, of course, he, he forgives you if you go to him and ask for forgiveness. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that you use the term religion uh, for that. You know, it's such a weird, hot topic term. A lot of times when people are referring to religion, they're referring to, uh, uh, you know, some sort of church membership or church, you know, ideology, uh, and they're focused so much on the, uh, you know, the, the denomination they're, they're part of and, and, and all those things. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I don't think Jesus came to form a religion. I think he came to form relationships, if that makes sense. We all need to be meeting with the body of Christ and going to church and learning from pastors, and 100% I am uh, for that. But don't get confused between religion and what happens in the human church, so to speak, with God. Those two, unfortunately, don't always go hand in hand. There are things that happen in the organized religion part uh, of our faith that, uh, that God cannot be happy with. I, I, I just feel it in my heart. So it depends on what my answer to you is depends on what you're referring to. Uh, but absolutely, 100%, God will always forgive you if you go to him and talk to him about it and ask him for forgiveness. There is only one unforgivable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that is referenced in the Bible. The rest, everything else that we deal with on this world can be forgiven. We've got to go to God with it. Okay? All right. Let's say I have a quick prayer and we'll get about our week. I can't believe it's uh, Monday already. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you so much for bringing us the word of Ephesians 4 and, and Paul's writings and, and how we know, Lord, that our challenge and what you're asking us to do is to accept Christ and shed our old life, shed our old body, shed our old ways, and get rid of our sinful nature and treat ourselves our neighbors, our world, with love and forgiveness, and not with anger or, or hate. Those are the words that you gave us today. It's so hard sometimes, Lord. We still struggle with sin even after we accept you as our Savior and after we follow you. The devil works hard when he thinks he's losing us, Lord. So what I'm asking you today is please help give us the tools Help give us the, the wisdom and the knowledge that we need to get through the struggles that we're all dealing with in this world, Lord. We live in a fallen, sinful world, and we are surrounded by it all the time, and every ounce of our culture is trying to normalize sin and tell us that it's okay, and we know it's not, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage to stand in our convictions and stand with you. We know that you can give us those tools to deal with this world, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Have a uh, have a great week. Uh, we'll talk again on Friday. We'll do Ephesians 5, and then uh, we'll wrap up next Monday with Ephesians 6. So I love you guys. Thank you, for, thank you for joining me today. If you missed any of these episodes, check them out on YouTube or the podcast. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart.
and forever on your mind. Love y'all.